God, we do thank you for the life that you have given us. We thank you for the promises we have in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we learn your word, we drink deeply from your word. Help us to be filled with the love of Christ Jesus. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for the last two weeks, we have been learning, remembering, being renewed in the promises of Advent. Promises that were made a long time ago, promises that were fulfilled and then made complete in Christ Jesus. And so uh, two weeks ago, we covered the promises of righteousness. And then we covered the promises, the covenantal promises of purity, of justice, of salvation. And we learned that the promises that God has given us are not pie-in-the-sky promises. They are not uh, saccharine, sweet promises, but they are very real promises. Promises that come to us both in the law and the gospel. It is the promises in the law, actually, that convict and condemn us but it is the promises then in the gospel that comfort us, that lift us up, that bring us true sweetness of life and life everlasting. And you and I actually need to hear both, don't we? We need to hear both. Now, admittedly, the, the past couple of weeks, uh, certainly last week with Malachi, there was a lot of law in there, wasn't there? There was a lot of convicting that went on. And that's often necessary because we are often very uh, prideful. We are stubborn, to put it politely. So we need to hear that. And that's just the same thing that the Israelites needed to hear. Which brings us to Isaiah. So Isaiah's ministry was about 700 years before the time of Jesus. Now, Isaiah was in a time in which the nation of Israel was in great decline. See, the king had forsaken the promises of God, had forsaken the future that God had promised with them for prosperity, for doing well, and forsaken all of that and had actually made some political alliances. One was with the Assyrians, And unfortunately, that political alliance backfired. And the nation of Israel was in a very desperate time. There was either death or deportation. Those were the two choices that they had before them. Now, the people during this time were certainly looking for a Messiah. Oh, yeah, they wanted a Messiah. But they were stubborn people. And so Isaiah calls them blind and deaf because they refused to listen to the looming disaster that he was telling them about directly from God. As a matter of fact, you take a look at the first 40 chapters, 39 chapters of Isaiah, and man, there's a lot of law in there. As a matter of fact, chapter 34, just before our reading today, it is blistering hot with law. But then we get to chapter 35, And we hear the gospel. We hear the good news being proclaimed. 
promises of everlasting joy. So this morning, with some eagerness, right, and a desire to be filled with that joy, let's take a look at the promises from Isaiah chapter 35. And we're going to take a look at four promises. The promise of His glory, the promise of salvation, of healing, and everlasting joy. So let's start with the promise of His glory. Isaiah chapter 35, starting with verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. All right. Here's how I want to kind of set this up a little bit. Did you notice that this past Thursday, something strange happened here in Fountain Hills? It was very, very strange. There was this wet stuff falling from the sky. It rained on Thursday. As a matter of fact, there was just a little bit over a half inch of rain. I did a little research, and according according to the Fountain Hills Times, the last time we had a half inch of rain... March 18th, March 18th, 266 days had passed since we had that amount of rain. And in between of those 266 days, do you know how much we got over that entire period? Just a smidgen over a quarter inch. As a matter of fact, the last time it rained was 110 days. Dry, right? Extremely dry. But it rained. Oh, wasn't it good? I mean, the rain cleared out all the dust and junk from the sky, took out some of the dust and washed things on the ground, made the air fresh, right? The air, the, the moisture wasn't just sucked out of my lungs. There was actually moisture coming back in. And I actually sat in the Bible study room for a little bit uh, during lunchtime, and I just... I closed my eyes and I just listened to the patter of the rain. And it was so relaxing, wasn't it? Did you notice that? It was just beautiful. See, we know that when the rain comes, the desert's going to have some life in it. Brings us life too. But the desert starts to bloom. And we think, ah, what was barren actually does have life in it. It was so great. And for the, it, what, what Isaiah is writing about here, he's talking about the crocus. So the crocus, and I, I've got a picture up there uh, of Mount Carmel with the mountain with all of those flowers. The crocus would be the ones that would bloom right after that rain. And sometimes, according to one writer, they would even kind of bloom in anticipation of some of the rain, almost miraculously. And the, where there was barrenness, now it's just a field of flowers, just beautiful. And the other two flowers that you've got up there, the red one and the white one, that would be the Rose of Sharon. So here you have this lush, beautiful landscape. This is what Isaiah is writing about here. 
And we know that when we see this beautiful landscape throughout the desert, we know that that's from the glory of the Lord, right? That's the glory of the Lord. He writes, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. But Isaiah is not just writing about creation. It's certainly about our spiritual state. And I think we can take this away. Just as the Lord God will restore his creation, he will restore those who are in the spiritual desert. And let's face it, many people are in a drought right now today. And it's not only a drought, is it? It is a time of darkness for a lot of people. A very dark time. And life seems to have faded away. Life doesn't seem possible. But that's the promise that we have in God. That's a promise we have in Jesus. Where there is no life, life will come because the glory of the Lord will be seen, his majesty. See, in the midst of your drought, in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of every imaginable obstacle, God promises you that you will see his glory. Now, the glory of the Lord is seen throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. It was seen throughout many different places. It often brought fear and trembling, especially fear and trembling for those who rejected God. When the glory of the Lord shone upon them, it was not a good thing. Think about Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the plagues that God rained down upon him. His majesty and his power, it was not good. But for those who were of God, who are of God. Yeah, the glory of the Lord still brings fear and trembling, but it also brings assurance because you know that God is for you, for us. With the Israelites, right? He was traveling with them in the desert. There was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He would come over the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord was there, the glory of the Lord on Mount Sinai. God lives and reigns the glory of the Lord. And he had promised them freedom from slavery. He had promised them life where there was just death. And he promises each and every one of us hope for a broken world. I mean, there's, I don't know if you know this, there's a, a singing group called Sela, and a wonderful Christian trio. They, beautiful music, really beautiful music. And they have this one song called Hope for a Broken World. Love that song, just love it. If I had the streaming rights for it, I'd stream it for you today. But it, it says, Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord has risen. That's the refrain. Arise, shine. The glory of the Lord has risen. It actually comes from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You see, in the desert where there seems to be no life, there was life. From the stump came the root of Jesse. We have the promises of God in Christ Jesus, the promise from his glory that there would be salvation. So let's go to the promise of salvation. Verse 3 and 4. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, will come with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So it's pretty interesting. I don't know if you're aware of this, but every year since 2001, the Gallup organization has done a survey of Americans. Uh, it happens in November, and they call it the November Health and Health Care Survey. And it's to assess their mental and emotional well-being, and it's a scale of excellent, good, fair, and poor. So they've been doing this since 2001. And the readings since all that time have for, uh, for good or for excellent have ranged from 81% to 89%. Pretty good, right? Except this year. This year, it dropped down to 76%. That is a very big and statistical significant drop. 76% it dropped to. Now, every single category of people, I mean, every single category of people, does not matter your age, your gender, your marital status, your political affiliation, every single category dropped, except one. And this category has not gotten much play in the media, and certainly the politicians haven't lifted it up. But do you know that what that one category is above all? Because everything else dropped, but this one actually rose. It was people who attended weekly religious services. And when I read weekly, I take that to mean weekly. Not just kind of, but like they were there. And it doesn't say whether it was online or whether it was in church, but they were attending on a weekly basis. And I take that to mean without fail, because they actually had two other groups of people in that survey. One other group said, well, they attend weekly or monthly, and the other was seldom or never. Those dropped respectively, negative 12, they dropped 12% and 13%. So there's a big difference between actually really worshiping and just kind of. And I take that to mean something that we've been talking about since all of this began. That when you abide in God's word, when you are abiding 
in his grace and his mercy, his salvation for us in Christ Jesus, it sustains us and keeps us strong. Listen, you think I might just be trying to get you to read your Bible? This is for your spiritual well-being. You think I encourage and exhort you to come and worship just because I want you here? No, this is for your well-being. This is building up in the body of Christ. It is so, so important to your spiritual health during, all the times, but especially during this time. That's also why I made a, a very conscious decision when all of this began. Do I veer off and do all the topics uh, uh, about fear, about COVID, about everything else? And I said, no, we're going to stick with Bible-based, Christ-centered preaching and teaching. We're going to focus on the gospel message. We're going to be strengthened by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation unto all who believe. It is the power of God for salvation. Everybody needs to hear that message again and again and again. And so we have kept on course. Have we touched upon COVID? Have we touched upon fear and everything else? Well, of course we have, because God's word, God's word applies to that. But we have been strengthened in Bible-based, Christ-centered preaching and teaching. That is what we do, because it keeps us strong throughout it all. And we will not be shaken, will we? You see, even, even for those who are really strong in faith, it's hard to keep up one's faith sometimes. We falter, we get weary. I do, I don't know about you, but I do too. So I too need to hear these words. Say to those with an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. I need to hear these words again and again. I just listened to a sermon before this morning and boy, did it lift me up talking about pastors, to preach the word. That's what we are to do. Be strong. Do not fear. That's what we are told. The Israelites were told that. Jesus told the disciples that. The angels have told us. We are told again and again, fear not. Be strong and courageous. It reminds us of Joshua, right? Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do nothing to being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, fear not. You know, I got to tell you, uh, doing online only this morning was not my plan. Not my plan. And yet, 
this morning I had thought, well, maybe it's God's plan. Maybe this is God's plan here, right? And so we need to hear the message of be strong, fear not. We need to hear the promises of healing. We need to hear the promises of everlasting joy. So let's go with the promise of healing. Verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For water breaks forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. So that's verses 5 through 7. So he's talking about the joy of jumping, so to speak, the joy of singing. Now, on the internet and on Facebook and many times, you can find videos of cute animals, right? I mean, they actually get watched more than anything sometimes. And there are often uh, videos of newborn uh, foals. Have you ever seen just a newborn foal just kind of jump and prance around? I mean, they just like, wow, I'm alive, I'm alive, this is fun, this is fun. And you see little goats and rabbits and dogs and everything, and they're like full of energy and joy. That's what Isaiah is writing about here. But how do you get from there, from where we are, to that joy? Because it's a spiritual aspect that he's writing about here, remember? Remember? There's not only physical healing, there's spiritual healing. And ultimately, the spiritual healing is of one of greater degree that even brings you greater joy. So, the thing is, as I've mentioned, we live in a fallen world. There's no question about that whatsoever. And because of a fallen world, there's not only physical death, there are spiritual maladies as well spiritual illness. And for a lot of us, just as Isaiah had been writing about, we are spiritually blind, mute, and deaf. But when God intervenes, he brings a healing that brings great joy, that opens our eyes. You know, People joke around with that phrase, I have seen the light, but have you ever talked? I mean, really, I, I, I wish you were here right now. Oh, have you ever literally just talking to somebody who's just been born again and their eyes are like open and there's a joy and maybe they aren't prancing around, but man, you see the spirit in them dancing leaping for joy. And it's the same thing. When you finally hear God's word, that you, you read the Bible and you kind of go, well, that, those aren't just words, those are God's words. And, you, and you, your mind, your ears, so to speak, hear them in a way that you've never heard them before. There's joy. You know, the song, the amazing, the song, Amazing Grace, it's not a, funeral dirge. It's a song of actually great joy. Listen to the words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
has saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, and now I see. And then later on, it says, The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Boy, that one phrase, the Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. That's what we've been covering in all of Advent here. That his word secures my hope. You see, the promise of healing is made sure and secure. It's made as real as it can be in Christ Jesus. Again, from our gospel reading this morning, Luke chapter 7. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And those are the promises in Isaiah. It is the promise of good news. It is the promise of a way of holiness. And so let's go to this promise, the way of holiness. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So last week, we talked about uh, a messenger who goes before the Lord to prepare the way. And we talked about that messenger actually going out and literally kind of straightening the roads here. And we also talked about how that messenger in the New Testament was John the Baptist. But here, this road is a different road. It is literally a high way, an elevated way. And it is above all things so that everyone can see it. And it is not a broad way of the way of the world, it is a way of God. It is not made by man, it is made by God. It is not a roadway of riches and gains of the world. It is a roadway that is from God, of God, and leads to God. And there's only one way you can be on that way. And we covered this a couple months ago. We talked about how Jesus is the way. Remember, he said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So the unclean can't come on it. Well, what does that mean? How can you be clean then to go on it? Well, we also covered that, of being washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Go back to last week's message, talking about being purified. But it also says this. <laughs> it says, even if they are fools, they can go on it, they won't go astray. Now, I don't know about you, and, but that's good news to me. 
that even if they are fools, which means that there are going to be fools on that roadway, they won't go astray. Well, what does that actually mean? It means you and I actually are all fools, really. We sin. We do stupid stuff. We rebel against the Lord. Sometimes we're like Jonah and we want to go 2,500 miles away from where God said to go. But by his grace, his power, his strength, he saves us and sets us on his way of holiness. And when we abide in his word, when we are living a life under Christ Jesus, you, you can't go astray because you stay on the way of holiness. Not of the world, in the world, but not of the world. And when you are on his way, his way of holiness, you need not fear either. There's no fear on that way of holiness. It says in the text, no lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. In other words, there in Christ Jesus, gonna, there's going to be peace. Now, I did put a picture up there of the lion and the lamb, because a lot of people think that it's going to be the lion and the lamb who lie down. Now, if you were here today, I would ask for a show of hands, is that in the Bible? Is the lion shall lie down with the lamb in the Bible? Now, given that you're watching at home, you can raise your hand or not raise your hand. No one's going to know. But in truth, it's not in the Bible. It says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. So, if you want to have your biblical knowledge expanded, there you go. But all this is getting to in the different readings from Isaiah, is that there will be peace among those who normally would war against each other. But did you see the section I didn't read? Who's going to lead them in that peace? It says, and a little child shall lead them. Isn't that sweet news? Jesus. Jesus, being born and leading everyone in peace. That's the promise of Advent, the promise of our Savior, the one who is the way of holiness, the one in whom we are redeemed. And that's actually who we are when we are abiding in Christ, when we are walking on the way of holiness. We are redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And because we are redeemed there is everlasting joy. There's a promise of homecoming and everlasting joy. Verse 10, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sign shall flee away. You know, a couple of months ago, I talked about the desire to go home. You know, we talked about Dave Cosman. He said he was ready to go home. Talked about Shirley, right? And she was 
ready to go home. And even Debbie, who was singing with us uh, just at the end of October, unexpectedly, she was called home. And you know, there's, there's definitely sadness in the loss of a loved one, isn't there? But at the same time, we know that they're home with Jesus and they are filled with everlasting joy. They're singing. There's praising the Lord. There's no more sorrow whatsoever. It is just joy. See, that's the sense you have to have when you're reading this section of Isaiah, of that joy, the promise of coming home to the Lord, of the promise of being in everlasting joy with him. You see, the Lord God has paid the price for your freedom. He has ransomed you from bondage to sin. You have been set free. That's what the Lord has done. Through Christ Jesus, he has made a way in which there was no other way. All of this, all of this to bring you home. This is good news. This brings great joy. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and languages stand before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's what was prophesied in Isaiah. That was is fulfilled in Christ Jesus that is made complete as we have seen in Revelation. These are the promises given to us during this Advent. So for you to hear the word, apply the word, and then grow in Christ, four things. The first is, are you in a spiritual desert or a time of darkness? Reflect on the promises of God's glory. Are you anxious or in fear? Be strengthened by the promise of God and his salvation. Are you lacking peace? Make sure to walk on his way of holiness. And finally, rejoice in the promise of him who has made a home for you. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.